Everybody, welcome back to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Gilbert. How you doing this year, Jay? Great. Happy New Year, Michael. Happy New Year to you as well. So we have, uh, you know, like always, we're sort of like, what are we talking about today? And uh, something just kind of fell into my plate over the last couple of days. I saw some people posting this article, and I was kind of ignoring it again because... Basically, the, the the headline, it's from the Houston Press. It's by a writer, Christy Loy, L-O-Y-E. It says, rock and roll is dead, and even Axel and Slash can't save it. And I initially ignored this article because I was like, oh, here we go. Another rock is dead article. And even worse, Axel and Slash can't save it. And it's hitting right. while all this Guns N' Roses reunion <clears throat> stuff is hitting. I'm just like, all right, let's ignore this. But finally, so many people started resharing this. I'm like, all right, maybe I should see what this says. I read it, and man, as I posted on Facebook, I said, this deserves a deeper discussion. And I think that will be you and I giving it the deeper discussion. Um, but let me read this pretty quickly to you. You know, I might miss a few words here or there, but you'll get the gist of this. This, again, Houston Press, Tuesday, January 5th, this came out. Rock and Roll is Dead and Even Axel and Slash Can't Save It by Christy Loy, L-O-Y-E. Starts off with the news that the reunited classic lineup of Guns N' Roses will headline Coachella this year as... Confirmed by singer Axl Rose Tuesday morning, may be the stuff of unanswered prayers to many music fans, but others like myself see instead a sign that rock and roll is doomed. Let me just add one commentary right away here. This is not a reunited classic lineup. Right there, I'm already discounting a lot of what she has to say. Because as of this recording, it's only three guys of the classic lineup. Axel, Slash, and Duff. That's it. That's not a reunited classic lineup, people. So let's just keep that in mind. She's already looking at this as a classic lineup reunited. Fair point. Yep. Um, and, and basically there's going to be eight people in the band, so three of the eight are original members. Uh, whatever. Um, so she goes on. True, I love Guns N' Roses and even praise them for this reunion. Should they go on tour as some are expecting, I will even dutifully buy tickets to their show. But I also understand that this reunion speaks to a deep-seated need in the music world. We long for this caliber of band, the all-encompassing billboard-swallowing idol, simply because they are there are no more new rock stars. You know what? Do we want to just comment <clears throat> each paragraph here rather than trying to remember yeah, to go back. Yeah, yeah let's I mean, do that. There are let's no new rock stars. I mean, is that really true? Well, how now, do you define a rock star? Is it filling up arenas? Is that how they define it? I mean, I, I would say that that's not the measurement of a, a rock star. Is, is it how many albums you sell? No, no, because look at look at uh, Lemmy and Motorhead, who you know Lemmy passed away recently, and the outpouring online by musicians, by managers, by record company people, by fans, was immense. 
but they didn't sell a ton of records. No, they they were you know? they would they would struggle to get record deals at times. They would struggle to sell albums. They were often opening for other bands. You know, I does that I, mean I, I, I sort of not look a rock star? At, I sort of look at Motor Motorhead as the heavy metal version of Cheap Trick. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good good comparison. But is is uh, Lemmy or Rick Nielsen are they not rock stars? Uh, in my mind, of course they are. They're rock stars. So you I, know, I think I think the definition of rock star is a personal definition. What does it mean to you? Does that person influence you in some way? Do they make you? Have they had impact on you. Impact on you in some way? Is it because of their guitar playing? Maybe it's a lyric that changed your whole life, made you see things differently. I don't know. An album but- that helped you get through a hard time. I mean, we all have those, that album that helped you get through high school or the album that helped you get through uh, uh, just a troublesome time. Um, Those kinds of things have impact, lasting impact on your life. And I would say, yeah, you know, uh, and then you you also look at people like, uh, I'll make up, uh, let's say, you know, Talking Heads. Is David Byrne a rock star? You know, I think it's so subjective, to what is a rock star and what isn't. But I would argue with this first paragraph of this article because I still think that rock and roll is alive. I just think that in some ways the music business is so diluted there, you know, with all of this access. We we don't have the, like when you and I grew up, we would ride our bikes to the store to get the new issue of Cream, Circus, Hit Parade, or Trouser Press, whatever. That was how, that was a lifeline. That's how we stayed up on these things. But those things were at least 30 days old as far as news, right? Now there's this instantaneous, you can get into exactly what they had for breakfast today and I think there is something to be said for that mystery and that specialness. I, 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 I totally agree, and she kind of gets onto that further down here. Okay, so, well, so, let's, but, let's but one, one, one thing I want to address here is, um, I she says I understand that this reunion speaks to a deep-seated need in the music world. We long for this caliber of band. What? Seriously? What? 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 This reunion speaks to is people want to go back and relive a memory they have um, from, what, 1980? When, when, when did Guns N' Roses' first album come out? Uh, 88, I think. 87, 88. This is not a deep-seated need. No more than the Kiss reunion was a deep-seated need. It was nostalgia. Let's be, let's be blunt about it. This is nostalgia. That's This Guns N' Roses tour is nostalgia and money of course that's are they what going it is. to hear new songs unlikely no they, if that's it's like when you you know this better than anyone when you go see a classic rock band uh what happens when they play their new album in most cases people go you, you, to you the go, restroom you or go get to a the beer. restroom and get get something to eat yeah exactly so so let's not fool ourselves this reunion isn't speaking to some deep seated need this is a just a reunion for the sake of nostalgia that's it like every reunion that happens is for no other reason than nostalgia let's go back and relive the glory days um She goes on to say now, this is the failing of the digital age. We are no longer creating any new rock heroes. 
the days of the Titans are gone. Music stores are bankrupt. MTV is dead. A world tour no longer means anything when you can watch it on YouTube for free. Fans have destroyed music by trading in Buddy Guy for a drum machine on an iPhone. End of paragraph. Let me let me just say right now, issue number two, you're going to blame the fans for destroying music because they traded in Buddy Guy for a drum machine on an iPhone? Who's the person putting the drum machine on that recording? Not the fan. It's the musician. It's the musician who decided, you know what? I don't need a real drummer. I'll use a drum machine. I don't need to really sing. I can auto-tune it. Is that the yeah. fan's fault? You know, anytime people start blaming the fans, I I immediately start to discredit so much of what they have to say. Well, that's what Metallica did, you know, and in, in, in the early Napster days, they started blaming the fans for for piracy and, you know, Technology moves along, whether you want it to or not, and it's not just in our generation. It's been in every generation. I look at this, you know, music stores are bankrupt. Well, I would argue that music stores have evolved. Music store now is iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, you know, it's a lot of other things. To me, that's the new music store, but if she's talking about just record stores, there's still, you know, a strong uh, indie base and there are still places, you know, go go to a record store on record store day. There's still There's uh, mom and pops. There might be yeah. that the chains are no longer there. But, but that's you know evolved. What? That's evolved. And that's not just in the music business. Chains are having a hard time struggling, period, because they can't support the overhead of having five hundred stores that they need to they need to manage and operate. And I've got no problem with that. If if chains all disappear, that means there's room for the mom and pops to start growing up again. Yeah, and I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. The, the one the one part of this paragraph that, and you know, I don't want to pick everything apart, but the the one that struck me is it says a world tour is no longer lo, no longer means anything when you can watch it on YouTube for free. Um, I take exception to that because the touring business is actually doing really well, and a world tour. If you're just talking about a world tour, which I don't think she is, um, you know, yeah, you can see some live YouTube clips that are kind of crappy, or you might even get lucky and see a higher def version of something, but you know, as well as I do, nothing is really going to take the place of that experience of being in the arena, feeling the electricity when the lights go down and your heart's pounding and the music starts, man, you know, I don't think... if if you are if you are really a fan of a band, you've got no problem going to a real show in addition to watching the YouTube clips. If yeah. you're just the casual fan who could care less one way or another, um, the YouTube is all you need. You were probably never going to go to that show to begin with, and and yeah. and. And what you have actually is the potential of that casual fan getting so engrossed by those YouTube clips that they go, I want to go see them now. Yeah. I'm experiencing something that I think is pretty cool. I want to go see them. Um, so they go on. She, she goes on to say, the thousands of musicians around the world might be still heard and appreciated if the industry were organized around a clear path to stardom. <laughs> But that path path is now scattered, unclear, and impossible to follow. 
worse, being a musician or working in the music industry has become a completely unsustainable career choice. <laughs> Many musicians, such as C.J. McCann, Aeon, and Carnifex in 2013 have been forced to quit opportunities for commercial, for commercial success have dried up while musicians are expected to play for free. Um, big issue here. At what? So basically what she's saying is the record industry, the music industry, should be built upon creating stars. Well, that's should, the, to me, that, that's the problem. That's the problem of, <laughs> that's what got us here where we are right now is the music industry looked at, all I want to do is create, I want to create the next megastar. I don't care about all of the other developing bands. I want to create a megastar. I'm putting a path then that if you don't follow these steps and they don't yeah. all click, your, your path to stardom isn't happening. That's the problem. There's never been a cut path to stardom. Each artist creates their own path, and they're, they're always different, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, there are some of these machines that churn out uh, the certain type of music and artist, but I think it's more important to kind of take a look at the, the music business is just evolving and changing, and it sounds like some people have this great memory of how it used to be, and no, it's never going back to the way it used to be. But there are a lot of people in this business that are making a living at it. And I'm not talking about just musicians. I'm talking about record company people and streaming company people, marketing, PR, production. There, there are all sorts of other areas where people are still you know, making a viable living. I, I don't really subscribe to the belief that the music industry is dead. I, well, that was the other point here is uh, being a musician or working in the music industry has become a completely unsustainable career choice. Uh, that statement today is no different than it was in the 90s, in the 80s, in the 70s, in the 60s. If you think that in the 1970s or 1980s, everybody who wanted to become a musician was able to sustain a career doing that, you're a fool. You, 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 you never experienced the the industry itself. I, I know for a fact, living in Chicago for 11 years during from 1987 to 98, being tied into the local scene, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of local bands that didn't sustain themselves as a band. They all had side jobs to survive. They all had working gigs, and they played in their band at night and on weekends, hoping to strike it and mm -hmm. become successful. But yeah. that was the same in the 70s. If, if you think that there were more bands becoming successful then than there are now, you're a fool because there's still just as many bands trying and not making it today as there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and 40 years ago. Yeah, I would argue that there's more opportunity for success now with crowdfunding, with you know streaming, with having socials, with all of these other things on top of the nuts and bolts, the basic blocking and tackling of touring, making good music, that people respond to. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to the song, right? If you've got a good song and you get it in front of people, they're exposed to it, that's, that hasn't really changed. But like I say, I would, I would argue that there are more opportunities 
for artists now. But of course, now the competition is greater, right? I mean, now mm -hmm. you don't have to follow that the old path of, okay, I've got to get a manager, then I've got to get signed, and then once I get signed, I have to be a priority with that label. I mean, that's as much of a crapshoot as, you know, doing it on the internet, right? Yep, so. yep. And, and her last statement of musicians are expected to play for free. Um, let, let, let me clue you in. They've always been expected to play for Man, free. You play in L.A., you've been playing for free since the 60s. Yeah. Um, you know, they have... Sometimes it's pay, pay to play. Pay, it's pay to... I was just going to use that as an example. It's pay to play. It's like, sure, you can come and play at this great venue. You need to buy $500 worth of tickets, and this is happening way before the digital age existed. Oh, yeah. You have to buy $500 worth of tickets, and you can sell them for whatever you want. You can give, give them away. away, but it's up to you. I was part of that scene as a promoter in Chicago in the 80s and, and early 90s. I saw that happen all the time. Yeah, Bands are always today. expected to play for free. Just today, again, 10 years ago, 20, 30, you know, you got, you, 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 you got signed to a deal and you're going out on a national tour opening for a band. Guess what? You're basically playing for free because you're not being paid to perform. You're being supported by your record label. And if your record label pulls their tour support, you're done touring because you're not getting paid enough money out on the road to survive. Right. And, and, and that's a bigger thing. You're, you're out there on the road to expose yourself to more people and grow your audience. Yep. Right? And there's a value to that. The reason a lot of us saw Cheap Trick in the late 70s is because they opened up for Kiss or Aerosmith or whoever. And, and, and the only reason they were opening is because their record label gave them support to go out on the road because they they might have made, I don't know, I'm just making this, they might have gotten $1,000 a night to go out and open for Kiss. But that's not enough to support themselves to be on a three-month nationwide tour of tour buses, semis, crews, hotels, everything else. Yeah. The record label stepped in and gave them sometimes thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a week in support to stay out on the road. Right, and it's no different than some of the smaller bands where the record company might buy them a van or lease them a yep. van or get them equipment get them, you know, routed so they have uh, dates to play. This is the same as it's always been, always to your been. point, yep. and probably always will always be. Always will be. She goes on to say, nowadays, new bands can't seem to get off the ground and get noticed. Hmm. Nowadays? Okay. Uh, it's been that way since day one. How many bands do you know have a GoFundMe or some other account created to do the job of what record labels used to do? While bands you love may certainly deserve your support, you're not going to help any band break through because there's nothing to break through to anymore. By all means, create new music, but understand that's no guarantee to stardom. Um, again, Go, GoFundMe doesn't do what a record company does. GoFundMe is crowdfunding, and it'll give you some money. It'll give you some and money, yeah, but if you don't know I mean, what to do with those, that money. Yeah, I mean, there are those that would argue that a great deal of what a record company is is uh, a bank. But having worked for labels and worked for distribution, I don't believe that a, a label is just a bank. Because I, I know these people. I've worked with them. They're hardworking, sales, marketing, publicity, creative. There's some great, hardworking people who have really pushed the needle now, and now sold let, 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 Let's be clear. When 
when the industry was strong and healthy, yes, record labels were pumping all sorts of money into their bands. But that was part of their job. But her very first statement, new bands can't seem to get off the ground and get noticed. Again, where were you in the 90s, in the 80s? I mean, again, how many bands were on the Sunset Strip in the heyday of hair metal trying to get noticed when basically you could fall over backwards and almost get a record deal? You take the number of bands that got signed and compare that to the number of bands who didn't get signed, they weren't getting noticed. They weren't getting off the ground. Yeah, same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. She goes on to say, don't shrug this off and call it progress, especially when musicians are starving. They've been starving since the 1960s, or before, 50s, yeah. 40s, please. Yeah. Every asshat who pulls out a cell phone and records entire songs or worse, entire shows and uploads them to the Internet robs musicians of not only a paycheck but their art. These people are not fans but rather charlatans and thieves. Really? I mean, does it if, – if you're recording with your cell phone a show and you post it, do you think – I'm going to watch that if I'm a fan of that band and not go to the show or watch that and not buy the record. That's, that's going to be the quality of an album or a release. I think it's almost the opposite. I think that, you know, when we were growing up, there was a scarcity. You couldn't see some of these things. The first time I saw some, some of the bands that I saw when I was younger the very first time I saw them was when those lights went down and you know here they they performed on stage. Well, now it's kind of cool. You're exposed to this. You can go onto YouTube, Vimeo, wherever, and you can see these these bands that maybe you have heard about or you've heard a couple of tracks by. And I think it actually encourages you to not only go to the show, but maybe buy or stream their music. And then eventually, you know, maybe you're buying the T-shirt too. Maybe you're telling your friends about it. Maybe you're posting on socials. I don't see it. I, I, this I, sounds I like agree. the 70s with people bootlegging shows. If, if, if you, here's, here's where I only agree if you are recording that whole thing and then you're pressing it as a DVD, and then you're trying to sell right. the DVD, or you're pressing it as an audio CD, and then you're trying to sell it. Now you're selling something. But um, let's let's be honest. If you're doing that on Guns N' Roses, you're not taking money out of Guns N' Roses' pocket, in all honesty. You're taking money out of their record label's pocket. Yeah. Well, so, you know, well, you know well, again, well, again, it's it's blaming fans again. I don't get yeah, that. And, and I wonder, you know, and I know this is probably a larger discussion, but I've really never felt like live recordings, bootlegs harmed the artist. Now, I, I let me say that I do think an artist should be paid for it. I don't think that if you go record Cheap Trick Play Live tonight that you should benefit financially from that. I think they should. But having said that, the point I'm making is more about harm the people who buy bootlegs and trade tapes, those kinds of people are those hardcore fans. Trust me when I tell you they're going to buy every studio yep. album you put out. Yep. They're not going to get that live show and go, oh, I don't need to buy the new studio I, I, album. I, 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 will, I will state it publicly right now. I have hundreds and hundreds of KISS bootlegs, audio bootlegs. I have also bought multiple copies of every single release. 
starting with vinyl, then cassette tape, then CD, then digital versions of them. And and so to your point, as a as a fan of that band that I am taking these audio recordings of, I have bought multiple, multiple, multiple copies right. of their music over and over again. And the diehard fans will do that. I think the jam bands get this. I certainly know Kiss gets this. You put it out, they will buy it. You don't put it out, they're going to find it. They're going to get it anyway. But when I read this article, I got the sense that the point was being made that that's harmful uh, to the bands, and I would actually disagree. It's not, and and I, don't I think, think it, it would. Is. Okay. Yeah. Um, she goes on to say many bands make trivial incomes have no benefits, and leave their families for months out of the year to play for people who have incomes and benefits while stealing their music in front of them as they perform. For some messed up reason, people feel entitled to free music. You must pay for the entertainment you consume. It's just fair. So, Well, they bought the ticket to the show, right? So, so uh, here, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, it's messed up that people feel like music should be free now. That, that they're entitled to, well, it's not just music. Any digital asset, whether it's music, uh, uh, an ebook, a movie, for whatever reason, they feel it should be free because there's no physical quality associated. That's wrong, but we can't change that. We can only adapt and adjust to it. We can't go back in time. You must pay for entertainment you consume. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just fair. Sure, it's fair, but life has never been fair. I mean, not that it was at the anywhere near the same scale, but you and I and, and many of our listeners can relate back to the 80s when, oh, my God, home taping is going to destroy the music industry. Mm-hmm. You cannot take a cassette tape and record that album and give it to your friend. We're going to have to tax blank tapes because right. it's only fair. Well, you well, know what? It didn't. Destroy. You did it. I did you know, it. I did it. I used to before I had a good recorder. I would put the microphones in front of the speakers and record things off the radio. Off the, the radio, King Biscuit Flower Hour, or Westwood One, or whatever. You but, would get together with your best friend, and your best friend might have an album, and you'd go, "Can I borrow that?" Sure, here you go, and you know you record it to a cassette tape, and you give him back his album the next day. Yeah, I mean, and so that, that, that so hasn't that's, changed. It, it that hasn't become changed. easier. Um, and there are some bands that believe, and, and this is an interesting argument, there, there are some developing artists that they want their music on BitTorrents and peer-to-peer. They want you to make copies for all of your friends. They want it everywhere. That's one tactic. Pretty Lights right? was a great example of, of an artist that showed great success giving their music away on BitTorrent. And they still generated money. Yeah. I think there's. I had this interesting discussion with uh, um, Jack Isquith, our, our guest right. our, uh, recently, about a tipping point that you want your music everywhere when you're a new developing band, and then as you kind of get to that tipping point and you start becoming successful and people are buying your CDs and buying your tickets and your shirts, then you don't want to give it all away and you may not want it on streaming services or you may not want it on BitTorrents and so on but the problem is is you can't choose it's you can't have it both ways there, there's always been sort of a, a an inside running joke of 
um, you want to be all over BitTorrent because that means people are actually interested in you. If nobody wants to steal your music, that means <laughs> nobody wants your music. I mean, let's yeah. let's be honest. So there yeah. there is that. But you know, again, her first sentence here: many bands make trivial incomes, have no benefits, and leave their families for months out of the year. Well, again, it's always well, been that way. It's again, always been that way. Always been. That's not that new way. to the That's digital age. That's not new to digital. That's happened for since the dawn of the music business. Yeah, and um, I want people to be paid just like you do. I mean, we're in this. It's our career. It's part of what we do. I do believe that there's a value to a song. I do believe there's a value to an album, to a concert, certainly more than, say, a book that you read once or a movie that you watch two or three times. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I, I don't believe that. I firmly believe that. I just think that there are some things that are going to happen. And that's the reality of the situation. People are going to trade files. People are going to share yep. their music. You know, you have to operate knowing that that's part of the mix. She goes on to say, you wouldn't pull your phone out at the opera or community theater, nor push past a crowd at a cinema and refuse to pay. Oh, my God, I can't wait to comment on that statement. Understand that your entertainment dollars support artists. If you don't, you certainly should. Maybe MTV showed too many episodes of Cribs, or you believed all the rap hype about the Benjamins. Now many touring musicians are lucky to get a meal and a few hundred bucks. All right, last statement. Again, welcome to the reality of the music business. It's always been that way. Music, touring musicians, quite often, they they survive because they buy you, you buy a T-shirt. That T-shirt is the difference between sleeping in the van or sleeping in a Super 8. That T-shirt is the difference between having dinner at McDonald's or eating what's left over in catering. Um, you don't push past a crowd at a cinema and refuse to pay. Well, here, here's an eye-opening thought for you, Miss Ryder. You also don't push past a crowd at, the Mad at Madison Square Garden and refuse to pay to see you, too. Nobody pushes past a crowd at any physical event, a movie, a stage performance, a live concert, and refuses to pay. I don't know right. wh where where is she going to shows where she sees yeah. constant people trying to push through and refuse to pay to go see a live event. I, I get the sense that she's saying, um, and I don't want to speak for her, but it sounds like she's saying that you know when you've tape with your phone a show that somehow there's a lost sale somehow and I just I don't agree with that I think that when you're at a show and I do think it's ridiculous these people who you know you get 20 people in front of you that are holding up their iPhones for the entire show yeah that gets a little tired right but those people that are doing it are hardcore fans I wonder how many of those people are actually going to watch the video that they shoot, but let's just assume that they do. And let's say, uh, assume they, they post it online and it's got a little bit of a shelf life. My argument is that's not going to hurt sales. Um, trust me, if it was hurting sales, they would have stopped that activity a long time ago. It hopefully will increase, meaning that you'll, I'll look on my Facebook feed and say, oh, Michael was at the show the other night. Let me, well, let me take a look at some of that. That's going to lead into the next okay, paragraph here. So she, she then says one sentence, all thanks to the digital media age. Wrong, okay. wrong, wrong. 
We've, we've given plenty of examples on how all of this has existed long prior to the internet coming around. Um, perhaps the worst example is the way Apple Music cloaks <clears throat> its phony algorithmic suggestions as insider tips from Rolling Stone DJs. Look at your music news feed. Bieber, Adele, Nicki Minaj, Kanye, Miley. Sick of them yet? This is the future of music, cookie-cutter musical conformity. You can't claim to override their suggestions because their programmers are manipulating your own choices to introduce you to their new music, not yours. All right, with that paragraph there, I basically sat back and said, she has no clue or understanding about digital music, streaming services, or the music business. The, or the, curation. Or curation. Or... Um. My new my my news feed is not filled up with that stuff. My Facebook news feed isn't filled up with that stuff. My Apple Music feed is not filled up with that stuff. My Spotify feed is not filled up with that stuff. Why? Because they know I don't like and listen to Bieber, Adele, Nicki Minaj, Kanye, Miley. I don't. Their algorithms know that and don't give it to me. And nobody's, that's true with nobody's all, that's true forcing with Slacker, it to me. That's true with Spotify. That's true with so Pandora. ridiculously stupid statement to make here. So there, there's clearly no understanding of what uninformed. she's talking about. Very uninformed. The the programmers are manipulating your choices. They are not manipulating my choices. You know who's manipulating my choices? You, Jay, because you. I see what you post. I see what you listen to. I listen to you, and you influence me. My friends influence me. Trust me, Apple Music does not manipulate my choices based on their programmers. No. And, and you and I have had a couple of guests on who have gotten a little deep into what you know these recommendations and curation is all about. And you know, I don't think this writer really fully understands you know where that's I don't from know if she actually wants to understand. I almost feel if, like it's it's now uh I'm looking to find a a scapegoat, somebody to blame and I'm going to make yeah. this stuff up because uh, it just I mean well, her, read the next paragraph. Yeah, the, so I, the next it, paragraph it, goes on. It, it she picks up where yeah. where you just left off. Let me explain. Apple's suggestions are not from your buddy in a band, your cool uncle who is a walking rock and roll encyclopedia or a friend who runs a indie rock show at the local university radio station. Instead, you've signed up for the most soulless, artless, corporate earworm driven music agenda imaginable. Again, okay. what an I, I, absolute yeah. uninformed yeah. Why? We point. had a guest come on who talked about how he created these playlists. He is far from soulless, artless, and a corporate earworm-driven music agenda. I'm just appalled at, at, at well, the Well, this is, this is ignorance. That's this, coming out. What, what ignorance. this is to me is someone who assumes that they know what they're talking about. Um, you and I have talked about algorithms, and I think this is what she's leaning into is that well these are done by a machine and they're soulless and well that's actually not really true the people that work at slacker spotify apple music pandora wherever you want to you know go there are people there that are passionate about music and they're music experts and we've had a couple of them on our show you know the gary stewart's of the world and the jack isquiths yeah. people who are passionate about getting it right and i notice that when i'm on some of these services 
you know, there's some pretty great stuff like, you know, Spotify's Discovery Weekly and some of those that are just ridiculous as they're not soulless. They're helping me to discover new music based on what I've listened to and based on what they think might be something I'd be interested in. I think this is just an uninformed kind of scapegoat kind of thing where, look, uh, there's a lot of problems. It's not like it used to be. You know, we're not going to go back to the horse and buggy days. We've got cars now. And I'm sorry it was quaint back then, but times are a changing. Yeah. Yeah. She goes on to say, go on, listen to music based on your choices as the Titanic sinks. I won't stop your revel- revelry and I won't bring my lifeboat back to save you either. But before you dismiss the zealous ramblings of a music Luddite, understand this new truth. You will never hear creatively original breakthrough music in a digital format. <laughs> Holy crap, is she just clueless. Well, where are you going to hear it? She what, mean, what, what the Bible? hell is she talking about here? The format, that's ridiculous. The format has nothing to do with... Nothing at all. That's just a delivery mechanism. It's, the music yeah, is the music. Yeah. Exactly. Whether it's, it's, whether just, it's on a vinyl, these, la- these last three tape. paragraphs from her just solidify. There's no, there's no value to any of her statements here. It's all opinion, and there's zero fact going on here. No, the problem is though, Michael. I think some people believe this. I think. Well, you know why I, they believe it? For one simple reason: it's in the Houston Press. It yeah. must be true. They're not going to go research this. They're not going to listen to us and our guests. They're going to believe this author in the Houston press, assuming the Houston press fact-checked everything. It's media. You've got to ask questions of media. Um, If that doesn't scare you, then you probably are listening to Bieber wailing in your earbuds while you upload your 20th selfie on the way to IG talking about your non-existent fire mixtape. I'm going to... Excuse me, honey. This doesn't scare me, and I have never listened to Bieber. I don't own a single Bieber track. It's not in a single playlist of mine. Um, I don't. I like uh, his early stuff before he went electric and my, sold out. The twentieth selfie will be of me and my daughter, two-year-old daughter. <laughs> um, I don't make mixtapes. I make playlists, and I share my playlists of what I like with my friends. So, I don't. Oh, look, Zoomies is having a sale. You should go. For the rest of us, the idea that new music is dying and true choice in music selection is dwindling is absolutely disheartening. It's dying and the selection is dwindling if you got blinders on and are afraid to look for your music yourself. If you How want many to- tracks do you think they have on Spotify or Apple Music? 30 We're million. Like, exactly, 30 million. That's dwindling choice? Dear Lord. If, if you need somebody to lead you to your new music, which is what happened in the heydays of the music industry, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you were led to what you were told to like by hmm. the record labels, by the radio, by MTV, by media. They told you what was good and what you should listen to. You didn't have the choice because you never saw the selection. You only saw what was presented to you by the gatekeepers. Now the gatekeepers are gone. The gatekeepers are you and me. The gatekeeper is me heading over to bandcamp.com 
and looking through the tens of thousands of indie and up-and-coming struggling artists where I can listen to and buy music directly from them. Have you ever tried that, writer? Have you ever gone and looked for your music, or are you just waiting for it to be spoon-fed to you? Yeah. And, you know, if you want it spoon fed, radio is still the number one way people are exposed to music. That's still there. If you want to be spoon fed or you want somebody to kind of curate for you, oh my gosh, Apple Music, Pandora, Spotify, Slacker. I mean, there's tons of places where people are more than happy to go, you know what? You tell me what you're in the mood for. You want some dinner music? You want drive time? You want morning drive? You want uh, something uh, jazzy? What, what? You tell me. You give me a hint. I'll play tons of stuff. I would argue that it's easier now than it's ever been it is. to be exposed. As, as somebody who loves music, consumes music, I can find music all the time. I find new music all the time. That's it's, the best it's part. It's not difficult, and it's exciting because now I don't have to rely on what, you know, I know you worked at Tower Records, but I don't have to rely on what the buyer at Tower Records thought should be brought in to sell. Now I can see every single thing that's available for sale. I can ask friends and I can go get it directly. You're only limited by your own need and desire to discover music. If you want to sit back and listen to Pandora all day long, and fine, you can do that. If you want to go in and find some new music, it's easier today than ever to do that. It's right at your fingertips. This writer, Christy, sounds lazy, frankly, to me. I think it's a bandwagon thing, and I think it's a scapegoat thing, and I I think you're absolutely right. There's some laziness there. Uh, I would love to have her on the the show and talk through some of these things because there there's some nuggets of truth in here. There's there's definitely nuggets, but there's just an overwhelming abundance of misinformation. And I think that's that's done on purpose to elicit uh, a elicit response. a response like what we're doing. We're going to have a whole episode talking about her article, which is going to get more people to go read her article. I know I that so. people. I I understand that. Um, she goes on to say, don't tell me it's because metal sucks and pop music is so great, especially when news of the GNR reunion spread like napalm in a balmy Vietnamese jungle on a hot day. We already addressed the GNR reunion. Please, that, that, that spread because of, of people wanting to go back and relive glory days of nostalgia. I do. I'd like to go see it. Um, because be truthfully, the there are no alternatives, no answers how to turn the tide of ripping off musicians. Until the industry changes its own black heart to remain loyal to the artist, it will continue to demand that musicians play without compensation. Um, there's no answers on how to turn the tide of ripping off musicians until the industry changes its, blown, its own black heart to remain loyal. Go, go buy and support artists that are struggling, that need your support. That that's how you change the tide. Don't don't go buy Justin Bieber. Go buy the young up and coming. Who's the new Justin Bieber who has no record deal, who's struggling? If you like Justin Bieber, go find buy his young, album. Go buy his go buy, buy 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 find the kid who's influenced by Justin Bieber. Buy his T-shirt at the show. Um, consider it must be the greatest exercise in self-control for a modern musician to resist sharing his or her own music online i don't get that while they want to make their work wildly known they must also realize throwing their art into the black hole of cyberspace could possibly reap no benefit at all 
Hmm. She has no understanding of the new music No, because, industry. you know, putting your music online is meant to expose your music to people and grow your audience. She goes, there's, and, no, there, there's no paycheck, no solidified audience, and no gratitude in return. No echo in a vacuum. I, I God, how I completely more. misinformed. And I, yeah, I can't disagree more about that. Um, I, 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 I just... I'm becoming baffled by some of these statements. Like time capsules, records and songs used to help define their eras. They still do. They still do. They made political statements. They still do. Abolished race, class, and gender lines are pushing for progressive action. They still do. Music was magical. Still, still is. is. Today, there will be no more grassroots political sit-ins with protest music. How do you know? How do you know what's really? going to happen and, tomorrow? And that's that's due to people uh, getting their music in a different format? That's, that's due to people getting music from the internet, apparently. You can forget about Hate Ashbury, Seattle Grunge, SoCal Punk, Rage Against the Machine type bands, or like-minded movements. Couldn't agree more or disagree more. Um, listen, listen, I mean, here's at this point, Christy, if you are so sick of the music industry, Leave. Leave. Because I can tell you for a fact, um, I can't. I couldn't disagree more. I'm right there with Jay on this one. the 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 next The next paragraph about you know supporting live oh, this, music. This is beautiful. This is where uh, I really had to make a statement when I posted this. So yeah. your your last option to support new bands is live music. Attend festivals, buy tickets, move outside of your familiar venues and clubs. See someone you've never heard of just to experience what they have to offer. Uh, let me read these next three paragraphs all at once because I think they go together. Um, see someone you've never heard of just to experience what they have to offer. Interact in the scene that you're so desperate to make happen. Hold on to your hats, people, and this is where it really gets good. And when Guns N' Roses finally tours nationwide and makes a stop in Houston, not only must you catch the openers... But find out who their influences are and listen to them as well. Put away your phone, live in the actual moment of your short life, and breathe. Breathe the same air as Slash. Sing along to the same lyrics with Axel. Bang your head to Duff McKagan's bass lines. Because in 20 years, when music is completely dead, this will be a TBT memory you can't upload to your new iPhone 15s. The outdated file will be incompatible anyway. All right, so that last little statement, pfft, completely dead. Those those last two par- those last two paragraphs. So she starts out really good. Go yeah. go go support, support live, live music. music. Go to festivals. I would buy only tickets. add to that. You know, she says you know support live music, attend festivals, buy tickets, which is all basically the same thing. Um, I I don't disagree with that, but I didn't hear any mention of buy the download, um, listen to them on a streaming buy service, the buy, buy the CD, buy the yeah, buy the t. If if you have the download and you're seeing them at a club, go buy the CD anyway for ten bucks because you know they need the ten dollars. Because here here's a little little tip: just because you paid at the door to get in doesn't mean that ten dollar fifteen dollar cover charge goes to the band. You might get none of that. Therefore, the $10 CD you bought, they might get 100% of that. Depending on the arrangement with the, with the club, they may get 100% of it. They may get 70% of it. But they're going to get the majority of that the cash right in their pocket. Um, 
what what was missing here is she goes move outside of your familiar venues and clubs i would also say move outside of your familiar bands and artists see somebody you've never heard of just to experience what they have to offer interact with the scene but now that all is good that's great go support live music and bands and then she says go see guns and roses and pay attention to the opener how here here's my question guns and roses ticket 250 bucks face value probably but i'm i'm sure a lot of people are going to spend more than that how many of those new bands at new venues could you support with that one 250 dollar ticket for guns and roses 25 25 bands now you're also going to pay for parking Drinks, sure. beer, shirts, everything else. I'm exaggerating. You're probably buying. Much. You're probably buying two tickets because you're not going alone. You know, you could have. You could easily have seven hundred and fifty dollars, thousand dollars sunk into two people going to see Guns N' Roses. How much of that could support a new band? Because trust me, Guns N' Roses doesn't need your support. Guns N' Roses touring is doing nothing to help the industry. It could be argued that they're, exactly as I might have implied here, they could be taking the money away from somebody else. We all know we have limited income. We have multiple choices of entertainment. That's one of the things the digital era brought upon us is multiple choices of where to spend yeah. our money. But you're only going to go to X number of shows a year. But you're only going to X number of shows a year. So, okay, I'm going to go to Guns N' Roses, but you know, I know that's going to be a hit to my wallet, so I might have to cut out a few extra shows to do that. Um, don't support, if, if you're all about supporting the music, the scene, the industry, don't support Guns N' Roses and think that's going to make things better. Don't think breathing the same air as Slash is going to make the industry better. Don't think singing along with Axel is going to make things better. Because while you're doing that, there's... 10, 15, 20 other new, struggling, young, up-and-coming bands in your town trying to survive that night that have music that, let's be honest, Guns N' Roses ain't going to be doing any new original music. You're going to get all the great hits, the classics, everything else. There's a band somewhere in some club playing to 20 people but playing originals that if you walked in, you'd go, holy crap, these guys were influenced by Guns N' Roses. I can hear it. The other thing that she says is, catch the openers. When was the last time she went to a major rock concert that had an opener that you've never heard of before? 75. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... It's been a while. Mid-80s, maybe? I mean, you are not going to get... I, I don't know this for yeah, a they're, fact. They're going to look Guns, for Guns, Guns N' Roses is either going to tour alone because they don't need an opener... Or maybe a band that their management company manages that they or, might want to help you know, out. The, the rumors or... were Skid Row is going to open up. It's going to open. Um, what what the heck do you need to pay attention to that type of band for? What are you? Who they? She's thinking again, like you said. She's thinking back to the seventies, early eighties, when when I would go see. I remember I went and saw Molly Hatchet, and there was this band, Michael Shanker Group. I'd never, never heard, heard of it. And they Holy crap, up. was that uh, some amazing music? And I went out and bought these albums, and I discovered UFO and everything. 
yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, I'm sorry to say, unless you go to the call, the clubs, the small venues, the theaters, where that type of stuff still is going to happen. Going to see Guns N' Roses play at AT&T Stadium in, in Dallas or wherever they're, you know, at Coachella, you're not going to discover anything new. So she just kind of shoots herself in the foot after making a great statement about go support bands live and then says go support guns go to guns and roses what i think she was just trying to tie everything together because it doesn't really make sense with that previous paragraph the part of this that really makes me dismiss the entire diatribe is when she says because in 20 years when music is completely dead you know Really? You think music's going to be dead in 20 years? There, there's a greater chance that in 20 years you will be completely dead, not music. <laughs> well, there's that. But I think that more people are consuming music. You know, they released the numbers. Uh, Nielsen released the numbers recently. The, the music business is growing again, which is great. It, there are more people listening to music now than ever. They're consuming music. I hate using that term, but there are more people experiencing music. Uh, I I see this as uh, growing, and in 20 years, it's yeah, there's going to be different formats in 20 years. Look what's happened in the last 10. It's ridiculous. But these are formats. These are, you know, ways of carrying your music around with you. It's We're not talking about, it all comes back to the song and the artist, and the cream, I believe, always rises to you the top. You never know when that next great artist and great song That's right. hits. And I can't wait for that next great artist and, and next song. Um, and it, it will. It's not a matter of if, it's, it's when. And it's going to happen. The music business is not going away. It's not dying. Um, a career in the music business, I would only argue that there are less people in the music business, but there are still viable careers in the music industry. It's just as important as it's ever been. And it's, it's a great uh, business to be in. It's just the model of physical distribution has evolved and has changed. So it needs less people to physically build and distribute that product. But the core of it is still there. So I, I would disagree with that yeah, too. Yeah, it, I, 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 you know, to me, it's just this, the basic core issue of saying the digital age destroyed the music industry. And she's not the first to say this. Now. Gene Simmons has said this. Many other musicians have said this, and I counter every one of them as being wrong. I mean, they are wrong. I mean, video killed the radio star. I mean, come you on, know, you guys. Gene, Gene, Gene specifically in his in his example said, um, after 1985, we've never had a great superstar legacy rock star ever again. The internet, and he said the internet killed it. The internet yeah. didn't exist in 1985. The internet basically first launched around 95, but didn't really explode until 99, 98, 2000. Um, you know, so who killed it? You know, who killed the rock star, basically? And my answer would be, ask the record labels who before the internet ever existed that they stopped developing artists. So, you know, a lot of what we saw happen, especially during the 80s and 90s, was formula bands were being churned out. There was a there was the great Motley Crue. Great, awesome band. 
now the record labels were like, let's see if we can make that 10 times over. But I believe that's been there from but, but you're right. you know, no, it's, Elvis it's, and Fabian. They're, they're always looking. So, but, but I think what we can, we can say is that clearly they stopped putting time into developing artists. During the 70s, somebody like Van Halen or Kiss, if that was released in the 80s or 90s, they would have never made it because they would have never been given a chance to get past album one. In, in, in the 60s and 70s, artists were given development. So I feel like in the 80s, development really stopped. You, you were given one album to make it, and if you didn't make it, we move on to the next one. So it's sort of like ask who the gatekeepers gave, you know, ask the gatekeepers, because they're the ones who gave up the talent of the future in exchange for the dollar for today. You know, I, I, I want, I, I have to report to Wall Street. My shareholders need to see profits today. I don't have time to develop this next artist for success in four years. You know, big business changed a lot of, of what's happened in the music I industry. I think the CD, yeah. I mean, launching the CD, and there was so much profit in that that it attracted larger corporations and they pushed out these the you know the clive davises and doug morris's of the world and it, it became kind of a quarterly reporting thing instead of a gut and feel thing and and i do agree with a lot of what you say i would just temper it by saying that in general th those things are true i believe that there's always been artist development in you know, there are certain labels that are just known for it and haven't given up on that. And maybe that's the realm of the REDs and ADAs and Carolines of the world these days or Fontanas, you know. But I do believe that artist development is still there. But I, and I also think that this kind of knockoff thing, when you have a successful, you know, boy band and then there's 10 other boy bands that are out or a successful whoever it is. That kind of knockoff has, you know, and it's not just the music business. Oh, it's no, movies. That, that, that's, that's business, period. Everybody yeah. wants to look how they can repeat the last success. Yeah. And, 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 and all I'm saying is, you know, as time moved on, I feel like the industry stopped giving artists significant time to develop. I think they had more time to develop. I'll go back to the 70s. A lot of bands in the 70s didn't hit until third album, second album, fifth album. Um, no, your point is well taken, That would never, That would, that never, would happen. never happen now. Never no, I mean, happen. The days, the days of some of those bands, you know, you had mentioned uh, Kiss earlier or Cheap Trick, they wouldn't have got a second album because their first albums weren't hits. In fact, sometimes those, you know, they didn't hit in each one of them until their live album, which was their fourth album or whatever. You're absolutely right. That, that kind of artistry or artist development yeah, it's it's become such a big business now that it's kind of front-loaded, and if you don't have that immediate success at radio, or you're you're not developing, you know, a large audience right out of the shoot, then you're absolutely right. You you do get discarded by I would say a great portion of some of these uh, for-profit uh, labels, but I do believe that there are some homes where you can go where artistry and artist development are important and they will give you oh, more and, time. And you're, you're right. And, and 
quite often those are the small labels, the indie labels. It's you know, it's it's the it's the large behemoth corporate major labels where you're buying into their machine and their machine is designed to operate in a certain way. And mm -hmm. that machine has to deliver quarterly profits. And if you're not a quarterly profit, we have to cut expenses and move right. on to the next thing. So, right. you know, I, I, and all I'm saying is that sort of stuff was happening before the Internet ever existed. Yeah. So so don't blame the Internet for not developing rock stars because the Internet doesn't develop anything. The Internet is just a tool that somebody uses. Yeah. The Internet the argument. Does, yeah, the argument that I think Christy missed in, in this article, the one area where I would point the finger and say, yep, this is where the internet hurt for a moment, was in late 97, early 98, when, you know, file trading, I mean, of course, the, the whole Napster thing, the original Napster, but yeah, people were stealing music, but there wasn't a viable legal alternative, and it took the music industry a little bit longer than it should because of a lot of reasons they were trying to develop their own proprietary formats or whatever it was it did take the industry a little bit more time than it should have to develop that and of course iTunes comes around and solves a lot of those problems for them but my point is that wasn't even mentioned in this article and that was the one area where I might go, I, 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 yeah you you I would agree you are you are right when when that first hit that sunk the industry so quickly because people were just blindsided by it and and to to blame the internet for that and to blame the fans for that is wrong because as you as you were saying it's like the the industry took some time to evolve and and understand that if the if the industry was active, mobile, agile on top of things, they would have looked at this and said, holy crap, this could wipe us out in two years. We better act now. Yeah. We and have to be the, fair, we there have, were we have, people we, like that, and I, I was in those meetings. They just there can't were move people, fast enough. Exactly. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's easy to give shit away for free. It's hard to take a digital file and sell it and make money from it when it can easily just be emailed to a friend or sent to a friend. They were trying to figure all this stuff out and I'm I, I'm not one of those guys that will badmouth the label and go, they were asleep at the wheel. No, they were just it was tough. You know, the analogy of you're trying to turn the Titanic on a dime instantly. I'm sorry. You see that yeah. iceberg ahead of you? It's just going to hold on. You're hitting it. it takes you're time. hitting it. You can't turn it. It's not like you're in a little yeah. speedboat where you can just flip the wheel and go around it and everything's fine. It the the Well, now we're turning it around, right? I mean, now okay, we've hit that iceberg, but in this case, we're actually patching up the hole. We're making the turn. Things are things are getting better. Uh, they really are getting better, and and I'm very optimistic. Uh, when I read this article, it just kind of says, "Oh, you know, it's blame it on the internet, blame it on the fans." Well, that that's Rock exactly what I, that's exactly when dead. I what I got out is just like Jesus. It's another one of these people who are just trying to sensationalize what happened here and just say, "Rock is dead. We're never going to have a rock star again in our lifetime." Uh, who are you to say that? I mean, even. 
who are you, Gene Simmons, to say that? Who are you? And I mean, your version of a rock star may be different than my kids. Right. To me, growing up, you know, it was the Beatles. It was, you know, Cheap Trick, Elton John, Kiss, whatever. Those were rock stars to me. Rock but stars to today are YouTube daughter, stars. Yeah. I mean, it could be PewDiePie. It could be, you know, some anime person. I mean, it's it's evolved just like it was, you know, in my parents' day. It You know, it might have been, you know. A big band orchestra was a rock yeah. star. Uh, yeah, Sinatra was a rock star. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just, you know, here, here's what I would say. When these articles pop up, please take it with a grain of salt. Don't read it as fact. Because uh, we, we've, we've disputed a number of points that, that Christie made here. They're not factual. That's not question true it. statement. Ask the questions. Ask post the it on questions. the after the question or after the article. You can usually post comments. Ask ask those tough questions. Yeah. Um, I, I I think everybody should have a right to their opinion, but I believe that this piece is just simply someone's opinion, and unfortunately, I believe a very uninformed and sensationalized opinion. Yeah, and 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 people will. People will not necessarily read it as opinion, but they're going to read it as fact. You know, it, it's it, in print. It's it, got to be true. It, it, it goes back to all of the all the media um, discussion around you know artists not getting paid by streaming companies. Well, you know, you've got to go read the facts. Just because there's an article posted in some paper doesn't mean that's the fact. You're not getting the whole story here. Do you know that the record labels? Are investors and partners with these streaming companies? Do you understand the contracts that the record labels have with their artists, and how does the money flow through all of that stuff? You don't have all of the facts, so just be careful when you read this stuff. You know, it's just yeah, just because you read it online doesn't mean it's true. And and this is clearly very much an opinionated piece. Maybe maybe she didn't write it to, as an opinionated piece, but it is. It's nothing more than opinions, people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it was, yeah, it was a good, good read. Great discussion. I, I would ask for homework. What do you guys think? What do you think about this article? Do you agree? Is rock dead? Will rock be completely dead in 20 years? Um, are things so bad for artists now or have they always been this way? I contend they've always been this way. I think it's just yeah, there's more media there's there's more media attention today on everything that happened so you see it all but back in the 70s and 80s you didn't see all of the unsigned bands that never got anywhere believe me they were there there was tons of them there just like there are today so mm -hmm. let us know what you think head over to uh head over to YouTube here head over to Facebook check us out you can follow us on Twitter let us know what you think um that's it until next week. Thanks, everyone.